The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Prayer once more. Lord God, we praise you for your grace and your mercy. And how your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And even as I'm here with my sisters as well, you have held me in these last 24 hours in such a way that I just give you praise and glory. So Lord, you have a special message. You have your word to teach us this morning. And even as it's been prayed that our hearts would be open to receive, that you would incline our hearts to your testimonies and not to empty praise, that you'd open our eyes to the wonders of your word, that you would teach us your ways in truth and that you would unite our hearts and satisfy this morning with more of you this morning. So we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I am, I'm Tammy Peters. I'm married to Hud Peters. And sweet Hud yesterday at this time was going through major surgery. He literally had a disc removed, major, literally. I discovered afterwards it was a level three, not medical, but when you move to level three, you get to 50-50 chance whether you spend the night. But this is, believe it or not, I think any of it, they should have stayed the night, right? It seems like a pretty thing, but anyways. So my dear husband's at home right now while I'm here, but my sweet daughter, she said, Mom, I'll watch Dad. It was really kind of a weird time because we usually watch her kids. So she's watching Dad, and it all works out. So I have four grown children, and I have 11 grandchildren. How could that be? They're eight and under. So everyone's been really busy at our house. Um, And here at Bethlehem, I wear lots of little hats. But the one that I love the most is Bible study. And as I said, next week is Tuesdays, and I'm hoping, praying, that you all just feel invited. Just feel this an open invitation. Come next week. I'm just going to put a little pitch right here. We're doing Jesus listening for his voice. If you miss the verse, the chapters 1 to 6, just quickly read beforehand. If you, if you don't, you can jump in at 7. Why not, right? We can do these things. Come into 7 to 13. And then, um, then the last, this spring, will be 14, 15, and 16, the passion of Christ. Will that not be awesome? So next spring, that's what we're heading up for. So putting that out there, so that's what I do. And as, uh, as, as was shared already, our theme for this year is guarded by his peace, guarded by God's peace. And again, because I am bent on Bible study, a lot of you are like, I didn't know I didn't bring my Bible. Y'all got your phone, so you can whip out your phone at any point if you want to go ahead and check as we're going through. But our theme verse, I could even actually put that back up, is do not be anxious but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind. Your hearts and minds. That's my, there's, my, there's the theme. There's the, the, the theme, the, the nugget. And I have to do it before, um, before I get into that verse, I'm going to do one of those moments. Now, I don't know if you all grew up with a football, if you're a football family at all, but I grew up, I'm a Packer fan. Okay, so whether, whether, you that, either, whether that draws a line in the sand and you're not going to be my friend, that's fine. I can handle this. <laughs> it's 
right, draw more affection. But this is a generational weirdness, okay? My dad was very much so. He's got, like, his name is actually on some wall in, at Lambeau. So, I mean, this is, yes, that's right. I just got status. That's my status. Okay, we got little generations going on. We still have family tickets. But that being said, watching the game, I'm a little bit kind of been conditioned to watch, right? I know. Um, and, and this particular time, this last game, again, if we're not sports people, you don't really care, but you usually always see the instant replay, you're not quite sure, and you get different angles. Was the guy in, was he not? This is the first time they zeroed in. It was literally the coolest thing. They zeroed in, and, and you can watch this on the screen, zeroed in, and they amplified, was the foot in or not? The, the, the front toes were, maybe you saw the game, and, and, the, and the, his foot, was his ankle in? Did his foot, did his heel go in or not? This zooming in piece, help determine the outcome of the game, believe it or not. You get all, everybody, you know, everybody, even New York apparently was peaking, and everybody was discussing this moment in time that determined the rest of the game, in a sense. Well, that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to zoom our lens in really tight to peace. We're going to peace, and then we're going to pull it back out and continue with the game. And we're going to be looking at Philippians 1 to 9. Okay, so, I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 1 to 9. We're going to look at that bigger picture. That's the bigger picture that I'm going to be dealing with today. But we're going to zoom that camera in to make sure the foot is in. <laughs> there are three questions I'm going to look at. The first one is, well, what is the peace of God? Second one, see, what is the peace of God? The second one will be, what does it look like to live within the peace of God? And the third is, how can we be guarded by his peace? So what is the peace of God? What does it look like to live within the peace of God? And how can we, as women, be guarded by this peace? So... The word peace. Remember this, the verse I'm thinking of is, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. The Greek word for peace is irene. And that, and that means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. Spurgeon says it this way, peace for a believer is not the absence of danger or trouble, but it's the presence of God. It was real interesting because, again, I am kind of geeky as you get to know me. I'm, I'm, I, I like language. I actually write English grammar curriculum. If you want to talk to me later about that, I'll be happy to. But I love language. And Irene, that, English, that Greek word, its verb is irene, means to join or bind together. So the verb form of it is to bind together. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Literally, it's the picture of the binding and joining together, again, of which had been separated or divided. So that's that coming together again. And that, again, as we go through this day, I think this will be really interesting because I feel like how I'm taking it, as I said, uh, I said, consider Irene. I'm just including this quote. Um, this piece has always got to be, 
has to do with the personal relationships, a man's relationship to himself or to a fellow man, and his relationship to God. It's always the peace that is the form of reconciliation. So when I started thinking about this, okay, again, we're still zoomed in, okay? We haven't had a commercial yet. We're still zooming in, looking at that peace. The peace of God, first and foremost, before we do anything else with that, it's this peace relationship with God. Okay, so you've got God and you've got man. And if I were doing a Bible study right now with you, for real, we'd all whip our Bibles and I'd say, all right, let's go ahead and have at it with Romans 5. And we would jump into Romans 5 and we'd start taking it apart and we would see the essence of this aspect and reality that we in our own being is at, are actually at odds, are enemies of God. So there's just already within ourselves, without, without God, we are actually hostile to God. We don't want anything to do with him within our own sin. Romans 5 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we, can, that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by this life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So here's God. Here we are. Okay, so if we want that, that reconciliation was only through Christ. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this cannot be. He's a holy God. We are a sinful man. We know this, right? We, we say this. We all sing it. We're in agreement but unless we come to grips to know that this peace cannot happen without this relationship with Christ, then we're fooling ourselves. Because I think the world always wants to go ahead and create peace. We're always trying to have that peace thing. We all listen to the tranquil music, listen to the lava lamps or whatever. Or whatever. We are doing whatever we can do to bring a peace in our lives, right? We turn the music down or we turn the music up. We walk that lake two times instead of one until we can feel, oh, I can go back in there again. No, it's, it's not. We can't fully have that peace unless we have a peace with God. That, that's first and foremost. And we see that even in Romans 1, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So our, our lens can go back out. Now we can start enjoying the rest of the game. So what is the peace of God? We've talked about that. We talked the peace of God is literally that relationship with Christ. And it's a, it's a vertical peace first before we can get this horizontal thing going. So our next question, what does it look like of having peace of God or being in Christ or in the Lord? So what I'm going to do, here's my blueprint. Again, if you have your Bibles or just keeping along, I'm taking Philippians 4, and I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm going to go literally very predictable here. We're going to do verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We're just going to rip right through it, and what we're going to gain is going to help us get in 6 and 7, because 6 and 7 is the theme verses, but we have to start with verse 1. So I'll read them as I go. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 
Now again, if we were doing a Bible study, we wouldn't jump in in chapter 4. We'd go, oh, the book of Philippians, what a great book of the Bible. Let's go to Acts. So I would literally take you to Acts 16. We would take it apart. We would talk about how Philippi, the city where this letter is written to, they were actually a Roman colony. And we would talk about how Paul came and Lydia was the first woman convert, European convert, kind of cool. I mean, she, we, would, we would learn all the background. We would enjoy that part. I would take you through maybe we'd start with chapter one and we'd follow themes and whatnot. But alas, we're jumping right into chapter four. And as we're jumping into chapter four, we are meeting up with this aspect of standing firm in the Lord. To stand firm means to persevere, to persevere in one's fellowship with the Lord. So the key thing before we can get to peace, we need to have the stand firm in the Lord as being our banner. Because each, each verse kind of fills up from that point. Stand firm in the Lord. How do we do this? Because we've got that relationship with God. Let's stand on that truth. And the very first next verse after that, I entreat Erodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree with the Lord. That's how we start out. And you're like, who? What? No one's ever heard of Erodia and Syntyche. Like, what are these ladies? Actually, it's kind of embarrassing for these two gals because they're known in infamy for being at odds. They are in disagreement and forevermore we know these two ladies. Okay? How would be the blue token ladies? I mean, there's nothing else in scripture about these guys. Okay, they're at odds, and I urge you, urge Erodia, and I urge you as Cintiq to get their act together. Agree. In the next verse, it just kind of goes on and talks about how he's, she's laboring side by side with Paul in the gospel together with Clemens and the rest who are written in the book of life. I mean, they're mature believers. They were godly women. And I think we need to hang this because are, these, aren't the, these aren't like that neighbor lady that you really have a hard time that always throws her garbage on your side. This is not one of those ladies. These, these were two mature, godly women that worked with Paul side by side, and they're at odds. They're at odds. Okay, so I'm just trying to think. Okay, so again, this is, this is I'm taking maybe steps liberties here, but Erodia might have been one of those, you know, those outspoken, those bull, those brash, those bulls in the, in, the, in the china shop, those speak what's on her mind kind of people. And Erodia and Cintiq might have been those little quieter, soft-spoken, unseen, um, no voice, easily bruised, Minnesota nice. Okay. <laughs> And the two of them were working on some project together, okay? And something happened, boom. And they're at odds with each other. There is no peace between them. They are at odds. And it was fascinating, again, doing my digging here, having a great time, agree with one another that actually could be translated, let these ladies, basically a little translation here, okay, is to be of the same mind. Let these ladies have the same mind. I urge them to be on the same page, same mind. Interestingly enough, this word is not like a new word in the book of Philippians. Again, if we were doing our study together, we'd go, oh, I see this word again. We saw it in chapter 2 when we see it says 2-2. Two, two. Complete 
my joy by being of the same mind, by agreeing, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then 525, this is the one maybe you memorized, right? Um, have this mind, okay, that same thing, that same mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. So, Erodia, Sintiq, have the same mind as Christ. This is the edict. But maybe, maybe they're dealing with unresolved conflict. Maybe there's a little strife going on there. Envy, anger, pride. Maybe the wall of silence has gone up between them. You know, they came, they got their treats, this one stayed over here, this one moved back, and then she got her food. And they kind of, it is kind of the silence, that little head nod, like, ha, nice to see you, but they're not inside the brewing. I'm not saying anything's happening here. This is a Rodian Cintiq. Just putting it out there. It's so interesting. It reminds me, years and years and four more years ago, I was in, I was a young bride, and I was over at a pastor's house, and this little bride, we were in the kitchen, okay, and she's not a bride, I was, and we were just talking, I was getting to know her and whatever, and, and she was talking about how she hasn't talked to her, she hasn't talked to her brother in years, Now I was so naive, and I said, you haven't talked to your brother in years, why? She goes, I actually don't know anymore, but something happened, and I just don't talk to him anymore. I was shocked. I mean, you're a pastor's wife. I mean, I can understand the rest of us, but you, you know better. And the sad thing is now in my life, now I've met more people that have this wall of silence in their lives of a conflict that may be still very tender and real or literally have been forgotten, but we just don't talk. What is that unresolved conflict? I urge you, Erodian, Cintiq, agree. I don't know. It makes me come and think of where are we going to go with this? So if I had to come up with a kind of a title, so you're going to enjoy this. We're going to be, look at all my bees, okay? Be thinking that way. Okay, be, okay, so you're going to be listening for all my bees. But stand firm in the Lord. Be of the same mind as Christ. That would be my next, I guess it's this way if you're looking toward me, okay? <laughs> be of the same mind as Christ. That would be my first thing, and that would be my Erodian Cintiq. But my second thing has to do with the next verse, and it, listen to this. So, yes, okay, so we have got Erodian Cintiq, agree. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who labored side by side in the gospel together with Clemens and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Help them. It's real interesting. The true companion, I've always, and this is, this is again, I'm leading with all the commentaries, all the scholars that think true companion could be translated as um, loyal, Sizigus, Sizigus. It could be his name. I mean, if we have a Rodian Cintiq, we can have Sizigus as being, all right, Sizigus, will you help these women? Please. But here it has it as true companion, because the word companion in Greek, that's where we're getting this, Sizigus. That's kind of where we're coming from. So whether it's a true companion being a nameless guy, like you know who I am. Paul's writing, you know who I'm talking about, true companion. Get with it. Help them. Or if he's literally singling out, Sizigus, will you help these ladies? We don't know. Either way, it works, right? But the edict is clear. 
Help. Help. Don't sit back. Don't not care. Oh, they'll figure it out. You know, it's okay. If she sits here and she sits there, we're okay. And again, don't be that one also that listens to gossip and hears it and goes, ooh. And, and you kind of spread it that way. You're only going to make it bigger. So interesting. Again, years and years and years ago, another time, another time. I'm older now. I've got a couple more kids under my, my belt. And a gal I was bringing to this Bible study, she goes to a different, she went to a different church and she came and the word of God began to take root in her life. And she came and we were driving home one time and she was saying, you know, I, I've been really odds with my own sister for years and I really have, I never really forgave her. And I think I'm going to forgive her. And this was really big of her, supposedly. I mean, this was really hard. She's the oldest sister. She did no wrong in the family. And she was convicted by God's word. And I just listened. And I said, can I pray for you? So we prayed, and she rebuilt a friendship of a sisterhood in her own family just by coming alongside. Now, I don't say I did anything. I literally just listened, and I prayed. And it was God's word that did the work. But this aspect of standing firm only in the Lord, okay, by, but by, by being of the same mind as Christ, but then be a helper in the Lord. Bring, be a helper in unity in the Lord. How are you going to unify? Now, sometimes unity is going to be done overtly. Hey, I see that you're having some, hey, do you want, want me to come pray with you? Kind of An overt way. Sometimes you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And you're just kind of coming alongside or you're praying. You feel it at the table. You can feel a little tension. You felt it Sunday morning. You felt it down in the nursery, actually. You were, everyone's holding babies, and you're like, why aren't those two talking to each other? You're, you're feeling it. I mean, we're all women. We feel these things, right? So we can sit there, and you can pray. But it's that helping, that helping component, being unified. The next one, I always think, is a sleeper verse. But yet it's action-packed. Because here we're doing, right? We've got this first thing of stand firm, be of one mind, or be of the same mind as Christ, help one another. And then all of a sudden you get rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 2. We're, we just can start singing. We can do it in a round. We sing this at church camp all the time. This is like the one song. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 2. We always used to throw that part in because it was the same song. We sang it over and over and over again because that's what the intent of the song was. Because rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice, it's a chiasm. And so you get that. You start out with rejoice and ends with it. And in the middle, you've got that same thing of saying, put it on repeat. Rejoice. So how does my B thing work? Okay, let's see. Be of the same mind. Be a helper of the unity. Ah, be filled with joy. And that's all good and fine, except if you're Rhodia or if you're Cintiq. I'm not filled with joy, thank you. Do you know what she did to me? Do you have any idea how that hurt me? I was, I was really, that was cruel. And frankly, I am filled with that right now. Do you realize she always does that to me? So that you're being filled, what are you being filled with? What is the strife? What's going on? And I keep bringing up this aspect of relationships, and we'll talk more when we get to anxiousness, but this aspect of being filled 
What are you filling your mind with? And I, I had to smile because Kenny talked about what do we treasure this past Sunday? I, you saw that with that sermon? If you're in the, in the nursery, it's worth listening to. But it's what is your treasure? And he brought, you know, is it home and security? Is that what you treasure most? Is it duty and obligations? Is that what you treasure most? Is it friends and family that you treasure the most? What's filling you? What's filling you the most? What's bringing you the most joy? And we know when we treasure Christ, the joy just comes bubbling through. Elizabeth Elliot, I love this quote. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. So if I didn't, if she wasn't my neighbor, if she didn't go to this, I didn't, things would be so much better if she wasn't my mother-in-law, if I didn't live near, if my husband would, okay, circumstantial joy. If, if things were just better, things were different, I would be joyful. I could rejoice then, but frankly, I'm more filled with to justify my actions. So then we start moving into, okay, so we've got stand firm in the Lord, right? Be of the same mind as Christ or be in that same mind and to help one another, bring that unity up, to rejoice, to be filled with joy. The next one in verse 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, it's real interesting about that word, reasonableness. I don't know what that means to you, but it was one of those kind of like vanilla words, your reasonableness. I just, I didn't like it. So I went through and I saw the different translations. One translation has it, NIV has it as being your gentleness. I thought, I can, I can think, gentleness. Okay, gentleness, be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. They also have considerate, moderation, huh? Graciousness, I kind of like that one. Forbearance, gentle in spirit. I thought the best definition of reasonableness was signifies a humble, patient steadfastness which is able to submit to injustice, disgrace, maltreatment without hatred and malice, trusting in God in spite. Ooh, that's, oh, that's a whole different word if it's, that's what that means. Reasonable seems, seems so soft. Like, oh, I need to be nice. Minnesota nice. <laughs> but it's not. In fact, I feel like the tip-off is the Lord is near. In Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So back to Erodian Cintiq of whatever's going on. And if you are Cintiq and you feel crushed, you feel broken in this relationship. Whatever happened, it was hard and fast. And every time you want to see, you actually like to do more than just be silent. You almost want to say something or do something or stamp your foot. But instead being filled with more of joy of Christ, I'm in the, against all odds, right? Only by Christ, but that my graciousness, my spirit, everyone can see that there is something different because the Lord is near. The Lord's going to vindicate me. If my dear sister has stepped out of lines 
has she really been that awful to me? Or did I imagine a lot of it? I mean, I couldn't imagine pretty mad things. I'm just saying, okay? Did I imagine, or was this really happening? And if it's so, God will vindicate me. And that's where I can put my rest. So I just put the question to you, in, in, in the relationships you're in, I don't even know, it doesn't have to be a Rodian Sintiq, but in your own relationships, how do you respond? Are you a stewer? You know, you stew it. Hmm, that's fine. Are you the, the silent one? You take that deep breath and you walk out of the room, or you walk in the room, you're staying in the room, and you keep stirring, or you're just, you just keep fixing. I, mean, I probably do that more. If I'm a little annoyed with HUD, I'll take a deep breath, and it's like, I'm not going to say anything because I might sin more, so I'll just be silent. So I just kind of quietly do, and he's like, honey, what did I say? Mm, nothing. <laughs> but I'm irritated. And give me a few minutes. Give me a few minutes, and then I'll be able to say, honey, you know how you said that to me? That really hurt. I'm sorry, I was just literally saying, I'll set the table. I, uh, <laughs> but you didn't help me with dinner, or whatever it is. We, we are, I, I'm being honest with this aspect, but how do you respond? Do you ever have, I have a right to be upset? I watch the kids all day, and then he wants to go out with his friends? What planet? You know, you just, what, where is this, where are you feeling? What are your responses? Do you have to have the last word? Ooh, I'm, I'm guilty on that one. So we get everything calmed down. Well, I guess that worked out fine for you. And then, and he looked at me like, seriously, really? You had to say something? Well, I, I, I really didn't say anything. And like, I'm trying to like backtrack. Oh, I didn't really say anything. I just said it would be okay. No, I'm totally guilty. And he's knowing me. You know, 40 years of marriage does that. They know all your tricks. <laughs> okay. And then also you get into the punishment thing. You know, don't ever just leave that silence longer than a minute or two, guys. I'm just putting it in there. The longer the silence, the wall goes up. In fact, I got this great quote. I got one more quote. I didn't do this long ago. Okay, here we go. Being Minnesotans, you love this one, okay? This is from Spurgeon. So he wasn't even from Minnesota, but he thinks, okay. The longer the frost lasts, the more likely the pond will be frozen. Wait a long time until your troubles get frozen thick and firm, and it will take many a day of prayer to get your troubled thaws again. So if you keep on letting it stay frozen, and it gets more and more, and that's with our relationships in any form. Soon it's a block of ice, and it takes some heavy, warm days of Christ melting that. So now we come to our theme verse. How are we doing here? Are we having way too much fun? Okay. All right. Be anxious. And well, I'll do it the other way. The original says, do not be anxious about anything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to known. And let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and mind. My bees. Actually, some translation actually translates this bee as be anxious for nothing. So I figured grammatically, you know, it's just my grammar thing, right? I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, let's just keep it going. Be anxious for nothing. Be prayerful in everything, because it starts out in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Just flip it, right? Let's, we're doing the be thing, right? Be anxious for nothing. Be prayerful with supplication, with thanksgiving, in everything. In everything, be prayerful. So what's your stance? So there's the Rodian Cintiq. Here we going. What we're doing. You're not anxious that she hasn't talked to you in a week. 
You're lifting it up. You're saying, I am thankful for Erodia in my life. I need an Erodia. I need her, Lord. Perhaps you know why more than I do, but I know I need to have her for whatever reason I'm asking for her life. I don't know what's bothering her. I don't know what's in her life, but Lord, let me love her. And it will be staggering what will happen in your walk. If you're standing firm in Christ, being in the same mind, helping one another, being joyful, being filled in that way, and you're coming to that reasonableness, graciousness, right? Being not anxious, right? And you're doing this aspect to this place of prayer. Do that to your mother-in-law. Start thanking the Lord for your mother-in-law. Start truly, or whoever it is. I just don't mean to pick mother-in-laws because mother-in-laws always seem to get the bummed. Guys, you will all be mother-in-laws someday. I'm just putting it there. Lord willing. <laughs> So how you treat your mother-in-law, oh, it's, 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 a real, it's a real thing. I, I remember, okay, this is just a side story. This is extra, this little. I was at a, a shower one time. I had two young moms sitting there nursing. I had a, an old sage, and I was sitting there just eating my fruit salad, listening. And these two young gals were just ripping on their mother-in-laws, just mercilessly. And this sage spoke up, and she looked at the other woman, and she goes, Beware of how you speak of your mother-in-laws, for you too will be one someday. <laughs> and then she sat, and she goes, for I was the fool, and I have reaped my rewards. She goes, it is so ugly, because I taught my sons how to do that. I taught my daughters how to treat their mother-in-laws, and it came back to me. I thought, Whoa. I mean, that's deep. So... I'm putting that out there in that aspect of what do you do with that energy. And in this passage where it talks about anxiety, we could literally have a whole other morning just talking about anxiousness, right? On anxiousness because of unbelief, sin, fear, identity, I don't know, greed, ambition, envy, anger, pride. We could love a whole bunch. We could whip out the verse in 1 Peter. Remember, humble yourself before um, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We live in a time and place of chronic anxiousness. It seems to be like in the water. Yet, I feel that this section is really talking about this relational anxiety. Okay, it could be other kind of anxiety. I'm not going to forebode this. This is great. You could say, don't be anxious about your bills, your fears, that you don't be anything. But this, I feel, is more impactful of understanding relationships. Don't be anxious about these relationships, but put them in prayer. Put them in check. Okay, because now we're finally coming to the crunch, crunch line, but I want you to focus. I want you, as I said, to focus this anxiousness in light of relationships becoming sour. Okay, this anxiousness, whether you feel it or you're being felt, okay, wherever it's coming in, be anxious for nothing. <sighs> ah, I could go so much, but I'm looking at, as I keep going, the point is that when we are wrong today, we've been conditioned now, ladies, especially with our phones, right? that if we don't get our way, we stamp our feet, we make the noise, we post it, 
we get on a, uh, uh, an online chat. We say, what would you do in this circumstance? And everyone crowds right, you're right. You should go ahead and slugger. Yes, and you're like, yes. And you get this rallying troop and you're getting your answers instead of Godward, Lord, what shall I do in this relationship, my peace here? We are looking outside the equation to gain our direction. How should we treat them? What should we do? Yes, I will post it on Facebook and I will ruin her or whatever. I mean, not to say we would be this because we're all Christian women. We wouldn't do that, but <clears throat> maybe it's been done. This aspect of surrendering it unto the Lord, loving our enemies or loving our sisters. They're not even our enemies. They're sisters in Christ. How can we love them? How can I care for them even if they don't want to be cared for? How can I do this only through Christ? Because then it comes back. Okay, so my anxiousness in check. Okay, I'm not be anxious. I'm going to be prayerful, right? Because then it goes, and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Our minds can't wrap around it. This peace that can come will guard your heart's mind. I learned this as keep your heart and mind. Okay, that keeping. And so it couldn't help me think of the medieval castles. Again, maybe you remember in your history, right? What they did was they had these castles, right? And they had the moats. You remember that. You're like, okay, the little moats. And then they had these big walls and they had all the things. And then they basically come in and the very center of it was called the keep. It's kind of a cool thing. It's a tower. And that is the center of this fortress. And this mindset of keep your hearts in mind has this beautiful picture of the queen and the king would be hidden in there, okay? Anybody of importance, right, would be hidden to protect while the city's being sieged. They're all coming, they're all fighting, whatever, but the, the main keep is where we have the most important things. But what's being kept here is your heart and your mind. That peace of God, so this peace keep is keeping your heart and mind. And if your heart happens to jump out and run over to the wall and see, what's going on out here? Oh, it gets stabbed, right? We know that the, the enemy wants to show his arrows at us and doubt comes in. Ah, why? Because we were out of our peace. We were out of that keep. Our minds jump on it going, oh no, I will shoot too. Ah, he gets hit. Ugh. There's the mind, the mind filled with doubt. Despair, depression, right? When we let our hearts or our minds out of that peace, we're sabotaged. It happens so quick. It's kind of the security systems, right? We have security systems maybe in your home. Oh, we, we don't. You guys can welcome to come in at any time. The alarms won't go off. We have, you know, whatever. But I know my folks had one, okay? So they had a little security system. They were like a bane to me because this, if you opened up the door and you didn't know, what happens? The whole, okay, the whole, we've got mad stories. But anyways, okay, so we've got this, this aspect of the peace of God is actually that, that security system keeps you in safe so that outsiders won't come in, okay? So it's a protection. I could view it as being imprisoned. I'm imprisoned in my own parents' house, okay? You could look at it that way, right? Half empty, half full. But in the sense, it's the other way. It's going, no one can get in. Same thing with the peace of God. When we are anchored in Christ, when we are standing firm, we're being of the same mind of Christ and we're helping one another going ahead and unifying and we're being filled with joy and we are having a gentleness to go ahead because the Lord is near to fight for us, to defend us, to hold us. 
to care for us. We are not to be anxious and we're to be prayerful. This aspect of, I can be safe here. This is where I belong. But if I feel like, no, I want that rage, then good. Now you're, now you're not viewing that protection of peace as being something that's, you're going to go ahead and get the alarm system to go off. You're going to jump out there and get shot at. Do, do, do you follow this whole aspect? This keep is this fortified. So my last question, because we're coming out, right? What is the peace of God? We did that first. And then how do we go ahead? How does it look like we went through all the bees? This last one is how can we be guarded by this peace? How can this, this sound so good? Like, how can this be done? How can I stay in my keep? And this is where verses eight and nine come in, right? And maybe you know this song, okay? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, or come to memory. Think about such things. If anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about, think about, think about such things. Now I'm saying that for you because frankly, all of us, I had four kids. Now guys, my oldest was seven when I was having baby David. So we had seven, five, three, and newborn. So it was a three, two, three combination. Now some of you have more in that time and some of you have less, that's fine, but that's kind of what my life was. So I didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of thinking. I, I barely had a lot of time to do anything. I literally was, and, and, and that time in God's word, I want you to hear it from my heart, even with my four, even with all that was going on, that was my number one priority in my life was to be in the word. And it doesn't mean I had gloriously hours. It may have been 10 minutes, but I made it a discipline. If I was going to eat breakfast, I was going to eat God's word. If I was going to get a shower in, which... Okay, let's not use that example. Okay, so <laughs> brush my teeth. If there was anything that physically I did every day, I had enough time to go ahead and make it. And I will let you know right now, if you make that your priority, the enemy will be storming the castle like nothing else. I've got story upon story upon story. like, I'm going to do it this time. And how the enemy just robbed it. Baby stayed up all night. I could... Palatable, going, no way, God, I'm getting up early. But no, it became my life pattern. What thinking is on your mind? So then the next thing is, okay, I began thinking, all right, the enemy can't get this. We're going to have those Donut Man songs, okay? All those little songs, um, bugs and sl slugs and mugs, okay? Whatever Bible verses you're going to sing, start singing. That was the only thing in the van. That was the only thing I listened. We had those little cassettes. So, but you guys have them on your phones now to sing truth. And if the kids don't care, you're being fed. It becomes this place. It's that mantra that you're singing. You're singing truth. And I'm, I'm going to put it out there, okay? It's, it's memorizing God's word. It's probably one of the hardest thing you, probably one of the hardest thing you get to do because nobody likes to memorize anything. We don't that's too hard. If I can't read the Bible, how am I going to memorize it? But actually, that might be the easier. Put it on an index card. I'm just going to do this. And then I'm going to do two verses. And then three verses. There is, seriously, this is one of those old mythology. His name is Milo. I, I didn't know anything about this guy before, but apparently Isaac Watts talks about this. And is uh, Milo of Croton. Anyways, the story has it that 
he sounds like a farmer guy. He goes out there and he picks up the, a little calf. Gets on his back. New, new, new baby calf. You can just see this guy, right? And he, he's walking around it. Okay? He walks around the pardon yard or wherever he walks. Okay? Takes it down. Next day, picks it up again. Well, next day, he's kidding. Get up a little easier. Well, the, the, the cow is getting bigger. I'm just saying. He keeps eating his oats or whatever cows eat. It gets bigger and bigger, but the guy keeps picking it up. And this is a myth. Okay? Whatever it is. I don't try this at home. And apparently has it, Milo is able to go ahead and pick up a bull. And he was able to do it. And this is what Isaac Watts is saying. It's like memory work. It seems impossible to even pick up a calf. But if you do a little bit each day, a little bit more, you can pick up the bull. Not so much to do the bull, but you've got that strength. You've got that mental agility. Guys, we don't memorize anything. We don't even memorize directions. We have our GPS. So it's a discipline, but I'm going to challenge all of you with your, someone at your table. Let's, let's go ahead and memorize. I mean, even something like, let's, just do, let's do just Psalm 23. I mean, I've always wanted to do that one. Or whatever. Do it. Think about such things. If your mind is filled with that, it's going to be transforming. The last verse, and then we'll finish up right here, because the last one's so beautiful. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the peace of God will be with you who are your mentors in your lives who are you watching learning hearing seeing from and it may even be a sister right in this room your mentor is your friendship oh man you did what oh that's so good I really need to be back in the word thanks we need each other As we've gone through this, and I'm now we're coming to the end because, well, well that's good. You have plenty of time. You gotta go, yeah, we'll finish up and pray. This is all good. Maybe a little longer, but that's good. All right. So to recap, we're gonna have nine B's. I've made this work. Okay, so here we go. So we're gonna look through your minds. Because you're, you're gonna drive home going, what'd she talk about? Oh, she had nine B's. I'll remember the B's. Okay, ready? Stand firm in the Lord, right? The first B was to be the same mind as Christ Jesus. The second one to be a helper in the unity. The third was to be full of the joy in the Lord. So be full of the joy of the Lord. Number four was be gracious or with a gentle spirit, right? The Lord is near. The five is be anxious for nothing. And then I gave six over here is to be prayerful in everything with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known. Then we had number seven was, and then the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. And number eight and nine is be a thinker of excellence. And be a doer of grace. There it is. This, I want you to get stoked, your hearts to be excited for the next year here at Mom's. This is what you're going to be doing. You're going to be standing firm and you're going to have that peace to guard you. And then you're going to come the other Tuesday mornings and we're going to do Mark together. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and thank you for your grace and your mercy and how you've bathed us with your word and how you've hold us. I'm asking that these women, Lord, that you, I've entrusted this word to them, that they would turn and entrust to others, that they would be able to bless the ones around them. But in the same vein, Lord Jesus, if something touched their heart this morning by your spirit, let them reconcile. Let them find that peace that passes all understanding 
so that they can be guarded and kept. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.